Um, I promised to not be too long today because we've got the boys and girls in the service with us. I will try, 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 try so hard uh, not to be long today. Um, and this is not the message that I would have expected to bring today. If you had to ask me a few weeks ago what message I'd be bringing this Sunday, this would not have been the one that I thought I'd have been bringing because it's quite challenging. Um, but this is where I feel God has been leading me during the week to really think about some of the things uh, that are in this. And the title today is, What Measure Are You Using? And I'm going to read some verses from Luke chapter 6, verses 37 to 42. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation, uh, because I quite like um, sometimes referring to that translation and reading from it. And this is what it says, Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others, or it will come back against you. Forgive others, and you will be forgiven. Give, and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. What an incredible verse, incredible passage thinking about what measure we are using. And the measure that we use is the measure that it will be measured back to us. We can think about that in all sorts of different ways, not just about financially, but who we are as people. What measure are we using? It goes on to say, then Jesus gave the following illustration. Can one blind person lead another? Won't they both fall into a ditch? Students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like his teacher. And there was this uh, painting which was painted, uh, it's called The Blind Leading the Blind. Um, it's, it's kind of self-explanatory, isn't it? You know, we, we don't want to be kind of following people who don't know where they're going. And yet Jesus says here that we can follow him, we can learn from him, we can be his student. We're never greater than the teacher, but we can become like the teacher. And that's what Jesus wants for us. He wants us to become like him. And then it goes on to say, and why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own eye? How can you think of saying, friend, let me help you get rid of the speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see enough You'll see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. And when we think about the measure that we're using, we can think about it in different ways. We can think about the words that we say, and we can think about the things that we're saying over other people. And it can be sometimes that we have things in our own lives that are like a big massive plank in our eye, and we are struggling to see the thing in the other person, really. Sometimes we're really focusing on what we are seeing in ourselves. And I want to try and just open this passage up just a little bit today, and I'm going to start with an illustration, and it's really great that Heather's here. Heather, if you hadn't been here, I was going to mention you today because I was thinking about you when we were doing this illustration, and you'll know why in just a little second, okay? Here it is. <laughs> the Mars bar, right? Heather likes Mars bars, and Heather... I have some Mars bars today. In fact, I have a big tray of Mars bars, right, okay? 
Now, boys and girls, there's a name for this, and I'll tell you what it is in just a little second, okay? If you sit really well and listen, and your mums and dads think you've listened really well, and you sat really well, they'll give you permission to come up. Josh is going to take this at the end. Thanks, Josh. I meant to say that to you earlier. <laughs> and Josh will be standing here, and if you've been really good and listened well, you'll be able to take a Mars bar. How does that sound? Okay, now I said there was a special word for this, okay? It's called bribery, okay? <laughs> you can do that in church in this kind of situation, but if you do that when you're working, you'll go to jail for it, okay? So only do it in church. So that's for you guys later on. Now, there's all sorts of things we can say about Mars bars. Heather, I'm glad you're here to see this picture. I was trying to think how to explain that to you if you were listening to the audio, you see, because Heather listens to all the messages, you see. The giant Mars bar. And then, and then it kind of made me think about what can you do with a Mars bar? One of my favorite things to do with a Mars bar is to make Mars bar crispy cake. Sorry, Heather, you're a purist. I'm not, okay? <laughs> I love Mars bar crispy cake, although these days I'm kind of thinking, do I, how much do I really like that, okay? And kind of weighing it up for myself. And then... You might have heard of this, the deep-fried Mars bar. Has anybody ever tried a deep-fried Mars bar? Sarah has, uh, Martin has, Tim has, Isabel has, Stephen has, one or two people. Maybe, maybe we can take some of these over to Answer House today and try deep-fried Mars bar. What do you think? No, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. All sorts of ways that you can eat a Mars bar. Why am I talking about Mars bars? Well, let me tell you a story. And we had jump yesterday, and I was talking about when I was a wee boy, okay? And I said to one of the kids yesterday, when I was a wee boy, there were still dinosaurs on the planet. <laughs> what was really worrying was that he believed me. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm only kidding. They weren't dinosaurs. Why am I talking about Mars bars? Because when we were young, we would have this thing uh, where we were going to share maybe a Mars bar, okay? This is a slightly bigger Mars bar, okay? I need places to put things. This, this is actually the size of the Mars bar after we had halved it when we were we, okay? Have you noticed how everything's shrinking these days, right? So if we were with our friend and you got something like this, you were told you need to share it, Okay? And I don't know about you, but when we were sharing things, sometimes there was a big half and a small half, right? Now that sounds like a contradiction, having a big half and a small half, but when we did it, there was definitely a big half and a small half. And uh, the person who broke the Mars bar, so we would break the Mars bar, but then when we started getting bigger, we had things like this. It's called a Swiss Army knife. I never had a real Swiss Army knife when I was wee, so I decided to get one for myself. And when I was trying it in the shop, I cut myself. <laughs> I really did. I bought it in Nevisport in Socky Hall Street in Glasgow hundreds of years ago. I remember, this is an aside, I hadn't planned to say this. I remember asking my dad for a sheath knife. I was like, Dad, 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 can I have a knife? We're up in Calendar on holiday. Do you know that James Bain, the, the fishing tackle shop on the main street in Calendar? We were in there and I saw these sheath knives. I was like, Dad, Dad, I want, a, I want a sheath knife. I want a sheath knife. And my dad was like, you'll cut yourself if you get a sheath knife. And I just went on and on and on and on to my dad. Please, 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 can I have it? And my dad eventually gave in and said yes. 
And I was so pleased. And I went into the shop and I bought my sheath knife. And we were over in Aberfoyle and I was looking at my sheath knife. And what did I do? I cut myself. <laughs> so my dad was right. Anyway, so the moral of the story is, listen to your mums and dads because they're always right, okay? So what we would do is came up with this rule. And the rule was this. I have, you choose, okay? And we still do this in our house today. If it's something like that and I'm halfing, the other person gets to choose which half. Often it's Josh. I half, you choose. And so I try really hard to get halves as halves. <laughs> and not a big half or a small half, because you know what half Josh would take. <laughs> Actually, he's getting really good at that now. So I'm going to half... I'm going to half the way we used to half. Does anybody like chopping up a Mars bar into little slices and eating it that way? That, what do you mean, no? So as you can see, I'm going to put this over here. Nobody's to touch that later on. As you can see, on this plate, without me dropping it, we have a big half and a small half. And this is the thing. When we go to offer somebody half, which half will they choose? If there's a big half and a small half, which half will they choose? And what will it tell us about them? Which half would you like to choose? The big half. See if I, do you want the big half? You can have the big half for being so brave, right? Well done. Does anybody want the small half? Yay, somebody else is brave. Right, fortune favors the brave. We'll come to you in a wee minute, okay? Because <laughs> there's loads of them here for later, if you're sitting good, okay? Why am I talking about this? Because the measure that we use will be what's measured back to us. If we're the type of people who are always wanting the big half and giving other people the small half, three guesses. That's how we'll live our lives. Not just when it comes to money and possessions, but when it comes to who we are as people. If we're always giving people the small half, then that's in time what will come back to us. There's a principle in the Bible, and it's called reaping, sowing and reaping. If you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. When it comes to people knowing about Jesus, if we don't sow the seeds of the gospel... How are we ever going to reap? How are people ever going to hear if, never, if they never hear the gospel message? One of the privileges we had yesterday, and I'll show the jump video at the end, Sophie. I'd meant to do that earlier. My head just forgets things. Some of the things that we can think about in relation to this, about sharing with other people, about our whole lives being about giving people the big half. And I want to start with generosity. Do we live in an open-handed way? And it's not just about money. It's about our spirit. It's about who we are as people. Are we generous with our time, our talents, our gifts, our abilities? And there's a sense in which it's easy to give money away to people who are in need. It's much harder to give of ourselves at times but can I just suggest that today, maybe God wants to say to somebody today that he wants you to use your creativity, your God-given talent to help somebody else 
whether it's somebody who's poor financially, poor emotionally, or poor spiritually. I think God is challenging us today to give something of ourselves away to other people. Our God-given creativity used to build the church. Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. God is in the process of building the church and he's looking for people to build with him. He's looking for laborers. But in a different sense, we can be generous with negativity. We can be generous with our criticism, our judgment, and our unkind words. And if that is the case, then the Holy Spirit has not been allowed to work in our lives because when the Holy Spirit's working in our lives, we're generous with good things. Do you know, there's a second one here, and it's about forgiveness. Are we open-handed when it comes to forgiveness? The Bible said, and we read it there, forgive others and you will be forgiven. Give and you will receive. Hard to do, isn't it? Let me tell you a little story. Bible teacher and author Robert McQuilkin, I have one of his books through there, stepped off the platform at a conference and was approached by a 17-year-old girl. You know that girl who said in her testimony that there was a girl she had been not speaking to for six weeks. Well, that was me. I am that person. And McQuilkin asked her, have you decided to go and make up with her? Her response was, I don't see why I, can, I don't see why I can't have victory in my life. I have surrendered everything to God except that. McQuilkin replied, let's sit here and talk about it. But first, uh, let's sit and pray. And after a moment of silence, he said, pray the Lord's Prayer. And the young person began to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And then there was silence. What's the matter? McQuilkin said, no answer. Why don't you go on? Still no answer. How have you been praying for the last six weeks? To which the girl replied, I haven't. And under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, she repented and she asked for forgiveness. Because it goes on to say, Forgive us, but deliver us from the evil one. You would think in church, this should be an easy thing for us. In order to forgive fully, we need the strength of the Holy Spirit to do that. And it's important that we do. It's important that when it comes to forgiveness, that we're willing to give people the big half. We're willing to forgive. We're willing to be open-handed and to be generous with our forgiveness. Why? Listen to this. Verse 14 and 15 says, For if you forgive and this is Jesus who's saying this, if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is serious stuff. C.S. Lewis once said, and I've quoted him before on this, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. 
And let me also say that forgetting is not forgiving. Time may have passed and it has been buried in the recesses of our minds. But all it takes is a trigger and it is back. Whatever your it is, whatever that thing is that you're holding on to, you need to let it go. And it can be a hard and difficult thing to do. Even this year, this year, I made an intention in my heart to look somebody out and to have a coffee with that person, to meet with them and to discuss some things from the past. Not in detail because it wasn't necessary, but simply to ask for forgiveness for my attitude at that point in time. You see, I thought I was right. And I might have been right. But I had allowed something to get into my heart that had got a grip in me. And it's taken me a long time to really properly deal with that. And it was a fantastic conversation that we had. We had a great conversation. Giving somebody else the bigger half. Forgiveness is such an important thing. It's a big deal. And you're thinking a church where we have experienced God's forgiveness that we would know what it is and how important it is to forgive other people. The third thing is grace. Are our lives marked by the grace of God? You see, when you're aware of the vastness of God and His grace, then it affects you. It changes you. It makes you more like Him. And the Bible tells us about Jesus that He was full of grace and truth. And Timothy Keller said this, truth without grace is not really truth. And grace without truth is not really grace. Jesus Jesus modeled for us truth and grace coming together. Here was a man who loved people and they knew, they knew that he loved them. And so when he was able to, He challenged, or when he had opportunity, he challenged people about their way of life. He brought truth into situations. And he said, you need to deal with this. You need to sort this out. There's no place for this in your life. And under his strength and grace, they were able to do that. Fourth thing is humility. The Bible encourages us to humble ourselves, doesn't it? Do you know, can I encourage you never to pray this prayer? Never pray this prayer. Never pray, God, make me humble. Okay? Never, ever pray that prayer. Do you know, see, this week, it's just been such a blessing to see God answering prayers. I tell you, that's the one prayer I never want to ask God is to make me humble. The Bible says, humble yourselves. When we humble ourselves, God will lift us up. And it's probably one of the biggest challenges to human beings is to humble ourselves. Because when we start getting into all the who's right and who's wrong stuff, and we start getting into all that, it's very easy for us to be the one who's right when others are wrong. Here's the reality. It's normal for human beings to make mistakes. Is there anybody in here who's never made a mistake? Martin's trying to put his hand up there, but he realizes, he realizes that he just can't do it because he's in a church and he needs to be honest, okay? There's not one of us who's never made a mistake. The Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of God's standard, God's perfect standard, His righteousness. Not one of us can stand and say that we're perfect. 
And therefore, when we look at our brother and our sister, our friends, when we look at people who are not Christians yet, we realize that actually we need to have humility in our lives. We need to be willing to take that lower place. I want to finish off with a little story. It's in this little booklet called The Last 60 Minutes. And it won't take me 60 minutes to read it, by the way. Just (laughs) sigh of relief, okay? And this is what it says. It's written by Rob Parsons. He's written books called The 62nd Father, The 62nd Mother, The 62nd Marriage, uh, 60 Minutes, sorry. Minute, 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 minute. Minute, 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 minute. Actually... He has written 60 second ones as well, but that's not the ones I was referring to. Can I encourage you, if you're a mum or a dad, get a hold of Rob Parsons' books. They are absolutely wonderful. They're so helpful. I have read 60 Minute Father so many times. I've listened to the audio tape so many times, and I just gleaned so much wisdom from it. And it's just wonderful. But this is what he said, and it's a fictional story, okay? I had a dream. I was in heaven in a waiting room. At any minute now, I would be called in to the big room along the corridor for the review of my life. As I sat there, it wasn't the memory of my death that bothered me, although I could remember stepping off the curb and seeing the little grey van at the last moment. It was something else. Endless preachers on earth had assured me that in heaven there were no negative emotions, just all that good stuff. Well, I can tell you that either they were all wrong or I wasn't in heaven because I saw people being called in one by one for their interview. I was scared stiff. It wasn't that I thought that I'd be unmasked and immediately uh, dispatched from the celestial city. I'd long ago come to believe that I, if I ever got there, it would be that because of what he had done and not me. So why was I so afraid? I was scared because on earth it had been easy to talk about the wonders of heaven and the joy of meeting the master himself. But now it was, a, it was different. I was actually going to be face to face with him. I remembered the passage in the Bible where Christ writes a letter to the seven churches. At the, be, at the beginning of each are the same two words, I know And in my heart, I realized that all the stuff that in life had convinced me I was doing a pretty good job as a Christian wouldn't count for so much in that room because he knew. And almost as bad as that, I knew too. On earth, I had known the things that really mattered to him, but it had been so easy to forget them. And then it happened I don't know if the woman who walked into the waiting room was an actual angel, but she was certainly one to me. I'm sorry, but we're running late, uh, she whispered. If you want to, you can go back to earth for 60 minutes. I'm afraid that after that you will step off the curb again, but you'll have one hour before you return to your one-on-one. I practically hugged her. I ran out of the room and found myself standing again on the edge of the busy road. 60 minutes. I spent the first five panicking about how best to use the time. But then a strange peace settled on me. Finding a corner table in my my familiar old coffee shop, I ordered a full-fat latte. (laughs) 
What harm could it do now? Have you ever noticed the names for coffees these days? I'm like, you need a dictionary. Anyway, and I started to phone people. I rang Charles first. He seemed surprised to hear from me. Charles, I blotted out. I don't have long to talk, but I want you to know that I'm sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. A silence ate up the last 10 seconds of my precious time. But then I heard him say, I do forgive you. Gladly. My next phone call was harder, much harder. Sophie, it's me. No reference to people in the room, okay? <laughs> Sophie, I can't say you didn't hurt me. Well, can I be in relation to people in the room, eh? I can't say you didn't hurt me, but I wanted you to know that with every fiber in my body, I forgive you. My phone was hot now. Jack, I love you. Susie, I love you. Tommy, I love you, man. You've been an incredible friend, man. My wife, my kids, my friends, some I hadn't seen for 30 years, and a few I had treated badly. I spoke to them all. And as I left the coffee shop, I was get, it was getting dark. I had two minutes left. A man selling the big issue was packing up outside. How many magazines have you got left, I asked. Six, mate. I haven't sold one in the last two hours. I thrust a 20-pound note into his hand. I'll take them all. I looked at my watch. Ten seconds left. I got to the curb and glanced back. The big issue man was looking at me right into my eyes as if he knew me and he was smiling. A small grey van was coming round the bend of the road. Why is this stuff so important? This sounds really simple today, doesn't it? But really, this is the essence of Christianity. We have been forgiven much. We have received much love from Him. Are we going to give people the big half back? Are we going to give back to other people what they need from us today? Are we going to give back to God what He deserves today? Do you know... I don't know everybody in this room. I don't even know if you've ever come into that relationship with God, if you've ever come to that place where you've experienced His forgiveness in your life. If you've not, then today I invite you to come to Jesus, to come to know Jesus, to give your life to Jesus, to surrender your life to Jesus. Yesterday we had Toy Story 4 as our theme. I don't know if you remember the Toy Story stories. What's written on the sole of Woody's shoe? What? Andy. Written on the sole of his shoe is Andy. Yesterday in Treasure Kids, as we came to the end of our message, I took my shoe off. I took my sock off. I'd had a shower, so it was okay. And on the sole of my foot was written a name. Can you guess what name? Jesus, because Jesus is my boss. He is my friend. Jesus is the one who's in the driving seat of my life. And that's something that I need to come back to regularly, sometimes daily. 
coming back and asking God to just take my life, use it today, use it for your glory. Have you put Jesus in the driving seat of your life? Is his name written in your heart? You see, the Bible says that when we make a decision to become a Christian, when we surrender our lives to God, when we confess our sin, when we turn ourselves around, something happens, something miraculous happens, and the Holy Spirit, God Himself, comes into our hearts and lives in us, and we become a new creation. We become a new person. We are changed from the inside out, and in His strength, we're able to give people the big half. We're able to do these things in His strength. We're able to be generous. We're able to forgive. I can't remember what the fourth one was, the third one, sorry. What was my third point? About grace, we're able to be gracious and we're able, musicians come back up. We're going to just commit this time to God. And I just ask that everybody bows their heads, closes their eyes, just for a few minutes. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that we are here today to celebrate him and to celebrate all that he has done for us. And Father, we just want to give ourselves to you today. Father, we want to give other people generously from our hearts, whether it's our finance, whether it's our time, whether it's our talents, whether it's our energy, our resources, whatever it is. Father, we pray that you would enable us to give to other people Father, when we see somebody who's in need, to lend a hand to that person. Because, Father, when we lend to the poor, we're lending to you. Father, we lend to, when we lend to a brother or sister who's poor in spirit, then we lend to you. And, Father, we realize that those of us who are strong in the faith have to lend a hand to those who are weak. And, Father, we pray that you'd help us to do that. May you have your way in our lives today. And just as we're finishing off, if there's anyone in here who's never made that decision to invite Jesus into their life, you've never said that prayer of getting before God, then today is an opportunity for you to do that, whether you're a boy or a girl or an adult in this place today. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, then today is an opportunity for you to do that. And what I would ask that you do, if that's you, then I want you to just pop your hand up so that I can see it and then pop it back down again. We're going to pray for you. Is there anybody today who wants to make that decision to follow Jesus? Anybody? A boy or a girl? An adult? That wants to make that decision to follow Jesus? Father, we just pray over this congregation today. Father, we pray healing, wholeness, and life. Father, we thank you for what we've been able to do today in dedicating Ethan to you. And Father, we pray for the family that you would strengthen them, that you would uphold them, that you would provide for them, that you would bless them. And Father, that they would just give glory to you. Father, we thank you for them. And Lord, we just give you praise that you are doing a work in their lives. And Father, for each of us who's here today, Father, we recognize that the reason we're here is for your glory. And we pray that our lives would bring glory to you. Father, we give the rest of this day to you and the ways that we will uh, fellowship together, celebrate together, and all that you have planned for this day. Father, help us to think about giving the big half to other people. 
We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.